0: What to do when your world is turned upside down. That is the title of our sermon this morning. Thanks for joining us, Calvary family. We gather today as one body in many different locations. And, uh, and I believe that the Lord really has a word for us uh, that we can press into today. We continue in our series of the book of Mark, the gospel for stressful times. And you and me both know that this is a stressful time for us. So wherever you're at, whether you're on your, on your couch or in your bed or, or in the kitchen watching from an iPad, grab your Bible, get something to write with, because you'll want to take down notes as we gather together around God's Word. Well, we're going to continue off in our journey as, as Jesus is instructing His, His disciples. Last week, Pastor Rick taught us about the accounts leading up to Calvary with the disciples having to go and prepare and celebrate the Passover meal with Jesus. Jesus. However, unlike the festive atmosphere that was norm for families who would gather and go to Jerusalem, the atmosphere with the disciples that morning was not anything but joyous. Because Jesus broke the news while they were reclining with each other at the table. He said to them, one of you, one of the 12, one of the ones that I called on mission with me, one of you who've been with me for over three years, one of you are going to betray me. What news? You could just imagine the room just kind of get quiet. Disciples looking at each other like, what is he talking about? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean one of us is gonna betray you? That's not gonna happen, Jesus. Like, we love you. We we're in this with you. Remember, remember that teaching that you were teaching about, like, eat my eat my body and, and drink my blood, and and it, it says the disciples, we watched them, they walked away. Some of our, our own people walked away from you. You turned to us and you said to me, remember Peter, Peter, you were there. Remember he said to you, are you gonna leave me too? What was our response? We, would, we won't. Where will we go? You're the Messiah. We're in this. The word of God says that they were saddened and grieved. You jump over to John's account of this moment. In, in John 13, it says that they... His disciples, they stared at one another at a loss to know what this meant. And one by one, they would look at each other and they would say, surely it won't be me. Surely it's not me. I won't do that. You see, one minute they're reclining at the table celebrating the Passover meal, and then with a little bit of news, their whole world begins to quickly turn upside down. How fast things can change. We as God's people know how fast things can change. Just over a week ago, we we were planning. We were making plans. We were dreaming together. We were talking about going on vacation. We were doing things together in the future. And then a little bit of news comes in, and everything begins to change. So it leaves us with this question, so what do you do when you find yourself in a situation that you did not expect? We believe that the Word of God has something to say to that. Let me pray, and we'll read our text. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are still in control. God, in in a moment where things feel like they may be out of control, we need to promise each other and preach to each other and participate with each other in reminding each other that you are in control, that you have never, you haven't left us, you You haven't forsaken us. You haven't forsaken the world. God, that you are here and that you have plans for our lives and and for our country. So God, this morning, we want to press into you. So draw us in close. Draw in your family, wherever they may be, God. I pray that your word would be illuminated today, that your truth would be exposed for our lives so that we can honor and, and bring glory to your name. We ask these things in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's grab our text. We're going to be reading in the the book of Mark, chapter 14, starting at 26. We'll go all the way to 52. Here's the word of God. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter, being Peter, insisted, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and they began to to be, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to him, stay here, stay right here and keep Watch going a little farther he fell down to the ground and he prayed that if possible that that this hour might pass from him abba father he said everything is possible for you take this cup from me yet not what i will but what you will then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping simon he said to peter you are asleep could you not keep watch for just one hour Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he, Jesus, went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard." Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, Jesus said, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me? But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving the garment behind. This is the word of God. May you add a blessing to it this morning. I believe from these three events that occurred during Christ's last night before his crucifixion are six helpful insights, six helpful insights to the question of what to do when life is turned upside down. In the early moments of their anxiousness and uncertainty, after hearing what Jesus had told them in the scriptures, they sung a hymn. Now, I like that that this starts like that. This was not an uncommon practice during this time uh, to sing a hymn. And we'll talk about it in a moment. But one of the things that I've always wondered about this scripture is who started singing that hymn? Because I bet the tensions were high. And that the disciples were looking at each other. And I know that the text doesn't say that, but in my heart, I believe that Jesus began to sing a hymn, to kind of rally them together, to pull them back in. You see, re- singing hymns was, was not something that was uncommon during the Passover. In fact, the Talmud, which is a, a collection of writings that outline the full range of Jewish law and traditions, they, would, they actually designated Psalm 113, to Psalm 118 as the halal, the halal, or the praise psalms, which highlighted God's faithfulness in rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. Like, we know that story about God's people in bondage in Egypt, and their heart cry, and, and their cries and prayers went up to God, and God heard their plea, and he sent a rescuer. And we know the story of the plagues and the fight with Pharaoh and then the leading them out. They, they thought they were free. Pharaoh says, go and you take the people. Take them, go. Just get out of here. And they're being led by Moses and Aaron out. And then, and then we see uh, the, the, the story unfold a little bit deeper that the, the armies come out. So they think freedom is ahead of them and then they look behind and what do they see? The armies coming. So they begin to run forward. They begin to press forward and they come to the Red Sea. They come to a place where they're blocked in and they do not know what to do. And God provided a way. See, God opens up the Red Sea and it says that they they walked through on dry land. And then God closed up the sea and took care of their enemies. See, they would sing about a a, a song or songs of that moment to remind each other of God's faithfulness in hard times. These praise songs would be sung over Passover as a way to remind the people of God's faithfulness. So in stressful times, the first thing that we need to remember as God's people is that we need to remember God's faithfulness. Pausing in the midst of stressful times to reflect and remember God's faithfulness is critical. We need people, those grace moments, those grace markers. We need to reflect and go back to those those moments where God was with us, he was for us. Because sometimes we have a tendency when we are in the midst of a struggle, we're in the midst of a trial, we're in the midst of a viral shutdown, we we can be tempted to forget what God has done. We begin to put up these blinders and we look only at our circumstances. We look only at what's going on right now. And we begin to forget that God has been a faithful God. He is the same yesterday, today, finish it with me, and forever. Tomorrow. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is there. He hasn't changed. Even though our circumstances may have changed, we can count on the faithfulness of God. Being overwhelmed by their situation and what was to come, they began to sing, And if they were singing Psalm 118, what an amazing song. What an amazing reminder of God's faithfulness to us. As they walked along, getting ready to go to the Mount of Olives just before they leave. If they they did that song, if they sung it together, they would be reminding each other that the Lord is good. That his love, his rich love endures forever. That the, the Lord is with them. They did not need to be afraid. They did not have to, have to be afraid of what men would do. We do not have to be afraid of the things that are, are coming through the airwaves, uh, through our, our radios and through our TVs and the information that is coming in. We do not have to be afraid because God is faithful. As they sung this song, it would have been a, a deep reminder of the doctrine and the truth that they knew that the Lord was their helper. Verse 7, that he was their refuge. Verse 8, that in verse 14, that he was their strength and defender. And the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. They needed to remember, we need to remember that the Lord has done mighty things for us. Church, we can look back over the years here at Calvary, and God has been faithful to us for over 90 years when this church was put together, when it was planted. It was planted on the Word of God. And by the power of God's Holy Spirit, leaders went forward. We have seen the mighty hand of God move. With all the things that compete for our time and our attention, could God be grabbing our attention at this moment so that we could press in, so that we could be reminded of His faithfulness? You see, our comings and our goings, we are so busy in society, and God has just put a big stop sign up and said, Peeps, let's take a break. Let's get back to the basics. Let's dig deep in my word. Let's gather together, but separate in prayer. Even though we're not together side by side, we're together, united in spirit, united in heart, before the throne of God. He is faithful. We need to continue to encourage each other as we move through these circumstances. As we move through this situation, that God is with us and He is for us. Let me give you some scripture to back this up. Deuteronomy seven nine says, "Know therefore that God, that the Lord your God is God, and He is a faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments." See, in stressful times, our hope needs to be grounded in the faithfulness of God. Can I get an amen? I didn't hear you. I'm joking. <laughs> Your family heard you. Well, that was the first thing, that in tough times, we need to remember God's faithfulness. The second thing that we need to remember and write down during the stressful times when our world may be turned upside down is that we, as God's people, need to hold on to the promises of God. It seems like there's been so many many moving parts with this virus that, is, that we're talking about. So many different updates, so fast. Even here in our church, information changing so quickly, happening every hour. Well, on the heels of Jesus telling his disciples that one of them was going to betray him, he also broke the news that they would be scattered. That the, the group that had band together for three and a half years was about to be scattered. That they were going to go their separate ways. That there was going to come a point where they wouldn't be together. And that they would be at different spots. But that they needed to re- be reminded and, and, and keep hold of the promises that he had taught them. And there's a, there's a big thing that can happen when we get separated. When we go to our own, our own spots, our own places, and in this case, in our own homes, the things we can begin to do is we can forget about the things of God. We can forget about the promises that he has promised us. We begin to fill our attention with multiple things instead of the things of God. Well, Jesus is teaching them right now that for a small time, they will fall away from their zeal and loyalty to Christ. And, and we need to remember that this was ordained by God, that God was gonna scatter them. It actually says in the scriptures, it says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. See, Jesus is gonna be arrested. He's gonna be put on trial. He's gonna be beaten. He's gonna be mocked. He's gonna be crucified. He's gonna have his beard ripped up. He's gonna be stripped naked. He's gonna, he's gonna be up there. And then God the Father is going to pour out the wrath our sin on Jesus. And Jesus is going to take all of that sin. And he's going to transfer he'll take the sin and transfer the righteousness of his perfect life to our accounts. See, this is the gospel. This is what we're talking about. But in that instance, when they when when this was going to happen, the disciples were going to be scattered. A scary moment. In stressful times, we need to be aware of God's presence. His presence is with us, and it's reassuring. Moms and dads, as you're home right now, make sure you're reassuring your babies because they're taking their cues from you. Teach them that God is with us. He's not left us, and he will help us. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we get to, re- re- we get to enjoy the assurance of Christ. We get to dwell on the scriptures, and we get to preach the promises to each other. You see, in this, this, this moment, Jesus gives a promise. But here's the dilemma. Sometimes when we have new, new news coming in, we, we get scared, we get nervous, and we, we forget about the promises that are right there for us. He says right there in verse 25, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He gives this promise like, okay, I'm going to the cross and you're going to be scattered, but it's only for a little bit. It's only for a little bit. So hold in, hold on. Because what I said is going to come true. And what God has said to us, church, is going to come true. So we need to hold on and press in and not let go. He said, I'm going to go ahead of you into Galilee. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to take you back to where it all began. When we gathered together in the beginning, we were in Galilee. And now we're going back to start the mission over again. But this time, you will be my witnesses. At first, I called you as disciples and I was going to make you fishers of men. Now you will be fishers of men. We're going back to the beginning. In stressful times, be aware of God's presence. He is for us, He is with us. We need, as God's people, to respond with confidence. Thinking about Hebrews 13:5, God said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I love that promise. We need to have that promise for each other. Never will we leave the things of God. Never will we forsake them. Let us remind each other of these promises. Let us hold tight to the doctrines that we know, that we've been taught. Let us put into action. For such a time as this, we, have been, we are ready to go. Pastor Rick has done an incredible job over the years preaching and teaching and building the tools that we need to be the church. And now it's a time. It's time to hold on to the promises and step forward and be the church. But take take note of this. We are in danger or we can come into a danger of allowing our circumstances to cloud our memory of God's faithfulness and promises that he has given to us. And sometimes we'll do what Peter will do. We'll just try to just muscle through Try to rely on our own strength and bravery to carry us through tough times. Peter declares, even if all fall away, I will not. Jesus rebukes him again and says, I tell you the truth. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows three time, twice, you yourself will disown me three times. So we need to remember the promises of God. But third, don't put your confidence in your own strength. See, we are at risk of going back to old worldly practices when we are scattered, when we're not keeping each other accountable, when we're not checking in on each other, people begin to rely on their own strength. And then when their strength runs out, they'll run to things that will lead them astray. We cannot put our confidence in our own strength. We must make sure that we are, we are pressing into the strength of God. The scripture says when we are weak, he is strong. Stop fighting that moment and let God be strong for us. We know that it wasn't too long after Jesus predicted that they would fall away, that Peter would deny him three times. As we see this in verse 50, everyone deserted him and fled. He reminded them that the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. It would only be till after Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection by God that they would have the strength to take up their cross and follow him. The problem with Peter and the other disciples' uh, disciples' pledge of loyalty was it it was swelled with vanity. They thought they could do it on their own. They thought they could rely on their position. But thankfully, Jesus' resurrection not only defeats the power of death, but also overcomes our human failure. Falling asleep. They kept falling asleep when Jesus asked them to pray. The human condition, we are weak. And we need to recognize that. But oh, how, how amazing is our God. How strong is our God. How faithful is our God. In a stark contrast, let's take a closer look at what Jesus did at this moment. When his world was about to be turned upside down. We see in verse 32, as they continued to walk in the night, they came to a place called Gethsemane, a garden located in the orchard of an olive trees on the slope of Mount Olives. This was a familiar place. They went there often. This was a place the disciples knew. Jesus came here. He brought them here before to get away from the crowds. He would be here praying. And once again, he goes back to this place. And what does he do? In, t- in stressful times, in tough times, Jesus prioritizes prayer. The, third thing, the fourth thing for us in stressful times that we need to know and understand is that we as God's people, we need to prioritize prayer. See, because prayer keeps our minds and our hearts orientated to where our help comes from. And you know where our help comes from. Our help does not come from ourselves. As the psalmist in Psalm 121 correctly stated, where does my help come from? He asks us the question, then states, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, Jesus knew this and modeled this for his disciples, that his help came from God the Father, And his pattern of prioritizing time alone to be alone and to pray and to seek the Father indicated his own awareness of his need of ongoing dependency of the Father for strength to endure the tough times. Jesus' deep distress and overwhelming sorrow, even to the, the scriptures record to the point of death, was not based on fear of men or the physical torment that was about, he was about to endure on the cross. No, it was because he knew within hours that the full cup, the symbol used in the Old Testament to represent God's divine wrath against sin, would be his to drink. And his cry of anguish, a vivid picture of his humanity, and humanity side, indicated he fully understood stood the bitterness of the cup of wrath. This cup of wrath that he was about to be given for the salvation of souls, for your sin, for my sin. This was intense. This was an intense moment, a a state of inner turmoil, he prays, that if possible, this hour might pass from him. But what does he say? Not my will your will. We see this intimate picture of Jesus interacting with the Father. Verse, 30, verse 36, using the most intimate Aramaic term for Father, Jesus says, Abba, Father. Reflecting his intimacy with the Father, as well as, as well as his confidence in his nearness and his care. He was displaying that for us, that God is not far off when we are in trouble. He is listening He says, everything, O Lord, is possible for you. Take this cup from me. See, Jesus recognized his sovereignty and power of the Father and that he had both the authority and the ability to provide another way. That he could do another way for salvation if he desired. But Jesus concluded his prayer with these critical words. Yet not what I will, but what you will. See, by prioritizing prayer, Jesus acknowledged his dependency on the Father. And it was, as a result, in the midst of his anguish, he was able to get to a place where he was able to submit to the Father's will. This is a critical but difficult point we all need to get to in stressful times, the place where we recognize who is in control and we submit to his will for our lives. Could God be teaching us this, in this season? That dependency on God through prayer was something the disciples and many of us still struggle with today. As Jesus knew what was to come, he brought his disciples to the garden. He took three in closer. He said, pray. He goes off and he's dealing with the Lord and he comes back and what does he see? They're asleep. What a picture for us that when things are hard, sometimes we, we fall asleep instead of pressing in through prayer. I think that God is really teaching us that that prayer is critical to our relationship with God. It needs to be a priority. Because when our world is turned upside down and we are not prepared because our minds and hearts have been far from God, we will doubt. But prayer brings us in and orientates us towards God. Three times Jesus returned from praying, praying only to find uh, his, his disciples asleep. And he, he firmly told them, keep watch. Verse 34, just as Jesus needed to prepare for what lay ahead, he knew the disciples also needed to prepare. And we as God's people need to prepare. Just this week on Friday, we started a prayer initiative, 24 hours of straight prayer. I threw it up on Facebook, who would pray with me? Who would take an hour Within one hour, we filled the 24-hour time slot, but then many more people jumped in. And throughout the day, people were praying for each other, seeking God, asking God to come and, and heal our land and heal our nation and to, and to take care of the doctors and the ner- nurses and the people working in our grocery stores, to give them strength to press on, to give strength to the, those ones who are battling, who are feeling sick right now. The church was praying. I know as I say this, you are probably nodding your head saying, yeah, I was one of those people because the list came in and there was over 70 people from our church that wanted to press in, that wanted to petition the Lord. And I believe full well that the scriptures declare, I believe it with all my heart, when people, when God's people, when they rally together, those who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, he hears us. It says he will come and he will heal our land. Prayer needs to be priority in the church today. Let us pray. I hope today that you would gravel, gather your little family together, that you would bring them close and that you would pray over them, and that you would teach your babies and teach your spouse or, or pray with your spouse or your kids or your parents or whatever that looks like in your family home, that you would, you would prioritize prayer that you would come together and thank God for his faithfulness. Thank you for his promises. Thank you that you do not have to rely on your own strength, that you can press into him, and that you can meet meet with him intimately through prayer. Oh, families, please do this together. Please gather together and lift up the name of Jesus in your home. Pray over your children, because God hears us. He is for us. He is not against us, and he has great plans for us, oh, church. May God bring revival out of this. May God bring the hearts back together. May he turn the hearts back to him. What will our church look like after this is over? Oh, in my heart, I believe that that God will do a marvelous thing in the homes right now when we press into him. When we press into the promises, when we press into the truth, he will do an amazing thing. When we keep watch over our souls, when we keep watch over our household, when we guard it from the enemy, When we move away from sin, when we take serious the holiness of God, oh, what will happen? Well, the church will be the church. And it will move forward, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And people will be added to the numbers daily, those who are being saved, because the church is doing what it's called to do. It is coming under and submitting to the bridegroom. Let us submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He is our leader, he is our king, he is our savior. Spiritual victory goes a long way when we take serious the things of God. We are overcomers because he has overcome. So let us as the church prioritize prayer. Let us gather them together. Let us continue to pray for one, each, for one another. Let's plan prayer. Let's plan to pray together. Because you know what? God is listening. He is bending his ear down to us even now. He sees us as we gather Prayer needs to be a priority in stressful times. Number five, if you're taking notes, number five is take comfort in knowing Jesus totally understands how you are feeling. I love that about God. God the Father walking in fully man and fully, fully God walking. He's gone through many things. He goes through many things, and he understands our pain. And some of us feel like God would never understand our situation, that he would never understand what we're dealing with, but he does. He understands he was, he was betrayed by his friends. They all ran away in times where he needed them. They were scattered, and he went to the cross. He went to the council first, and, and they, they spit in his face. They ripped his beard out. I have a beard. you know how much that hurts? My kids sometimes tug on it. It hurts. They ripped out his beard. They lashed his body. And then on the cross the wrath of God was poured out for you and for me. See, he knows how we are feeling. And in this text, it shows that that his closest friends, his closest, his buddies, his pals, his, his, his guys, his, his small group, like that inner core, they were they were supposed to be there. They were supposed to take take watch, Peter, James, and John. He openly and honestly shared with them emotions that many of us ha- have felt and maybe currently experiencing. Jesus was distressed. He was troubled. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. He knew the reality of what was going on. He, he understood it and, and he shared this-, this-, this feeling with his close friends. He led us in on his emotion. See, Mark is very forthright about Jesus' human reaction to what he was about to face. This was a hard task ahead. When you are in the grips of emotional distress, it is really comforting when you find out someone who understands, who totally understands what you've been going through. Like when you have that friend or that person in your life that says, yeah, I've been through that, I totally know what's going on. And they they understand your thought process, they understand how you're feeling. There's something about comfort that, they, that, that takes place right there. There's a, there's a comfort that takes place. And we can find comfort knowing that Jesus knows and understands that. So if you're nervous or you're scared or you're anxious, it's okay. It's okay. God understands draw close to him seek him with all of your heart ask him to draw close in the distressed moment in the overwhelmed moment when someone you love you're going in and caring for them and they're not feeling well and you're nervous and you're scared tell him he's a big god he's not going to be afraid of what you're going to say he understands troubled and overwhelmed with sorrow. He can relate to what we're going through, and he has been there. And Jesus has been there. As we see in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. That is why through him, verse 16, we can accomplish God's throne of grace. We can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I pray that for you today if you're feeling that. I pray and I I counsel you as one of your pastors to go to the throne of grace and speak to the Lord. He will comfort you in your time of need. He is there, willing, listening. So we move into our last point. What to do when your world is turned upside down. Number six, remember in spite of how things look, our God is in control. Because Jesus modeled faithful watching, faithful discipleship in time of crisis, he was prepared for the hour that was to come. He was prepared to go to the cross. He went and he he spent time with God. He, He was getting filled up. He was in anguish, but he was ready. And, and Judas, the, one of the twelve, shows up with this crowd of armed guards, armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. The crowd would have included some auxiliary troops that would have been, in, been brought into a fortress near the city, just in case that there was a major upheaval or a major uproar going on in the town or in the place. These people would be commissioned to go in and they're, they're there and they're, they're there to meet Jesus as if he was leading some political rebellion. Jesus even, even addresses that in verse 48. He says, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and with clubs to capture me? The nature of the crowd was completely inconsistent with his well-known ministry as a religious leader. But it was this way for a reason because in verse 49b, we find out that reason. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. See, entirely apart from the sinful intentions of the crowd who appeared to be in control and orchestrating this whole ordeal, God was sovereignly in control and actually using them to fulfill the prophecy that he was accomplishing his gracious purposes. It was God who was orchestrating every minute, every detail of how Jesus would die. We even know this because in Acts 2, 23, it says this man was handed over to you by God as part of God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Dying was Christ's come consummate act of submission to the father's will in spite of the appearance Jesus was totally in control and in John 10 17 18 the reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again no one takes it from me but I lay it down as on my own accord because this is who it who he is he is the good shepherd and he laid down his life for the sheep that's what Jesus has done this is what he's doing He knows exactly what's going on. He's going to lay his life down for the sheep. God is fully in control. He knows what tomorrow holds. And we need to be holding tightly onto him. So brothers and sisters, as we gather in separate places as one church, I leave you with this verse. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This is what we pray for you and your family as you gather in worship and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen.